Fratello on Air. I'm Balash Renzi coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. And today I'm sadly alone in the smooth booth. Well, not really. We're starting a new podcast series on Fratello on Air called Meet the, where we take a closer look at crucial roles in the watch industry with the help of one illustrious representative. In our first episode, I'm pleased and honored to talk to Davide Cerato, who most of you know as the mind behind some of the most fabulous creations by Tudor or Montblanc. Uh, Davide has a new venture that we will talk about, but before that, we'll walk through his career and discuss some of the most important milestones of his life. So without further ado, meet the watch designer. Davide, thank you for joining us and um, thank you for being the, the first victim, quote unquote victim to this podcast. I'm really happy and honored to have you uh, on Fratello on Air. Thank you, Balacci. It's, uh, it's really my pleasure. Thank you. So, um, as I said in the intro, what we'd like, we would like to do in this episode, or I would like to do in this episode, is to get to know the person, and in, in this case, the watch designer, from the beginning. So, from your childhood all the way to where you are today. And Because, um, you know, we know a lot about you guys um, Especially when, when you are uh, when you have a new project, um, you're all over the media. But it's very rare. And when I when I did my research, I found some some articles about you. But you very rarely talk about about your upbringing or what drove you to design and you know how it all started. And of course, I don't want to go too deep into that. But um, what can you share? You know, of your of the beginnings of the childhood and how you became a designer, what drove you to that? What gave you the inspiration? Where did you study? And so on and so forth. If you could, uh, if you could start with that. With pleasure, uh, without taking too much time and becoming boring. Um, I was born in Italy. I'm Italian uh, in Torino, uh, which is really considered the car city, uh, mm-hmm. both because uh, um, all the V-car designer, Bertone Zagato, Pininfarina, they all live there, and also because uh, it has always been the headquarters of a Fiat, uh, so you know there is a, a huge uh, uh, um, structure and network of uh, companies that grow around it. And for a long time, there was a fantastic uh, motor show uh, there, as big as the Geneva one. So, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, to give you a first hint, allowed me to make my first visit of a motor show on my father's shoulder when I was probably three or old, something like that. And I did not miss a single one for all the years after. Wow. Um, I, I must say I started uh, drawing uh, by far before start being able of, of writing. And uh, uh, it has always been very, very natural for me. Um, I was drawing, designing, painting. I was, uh, um, you know, um, uh, copy uh, uh, and uh, changing size the covers of uh, of uh, mickey mouse of comics uh, mm. 
I was I was designing comics before being able of uh, filling the clouds with the words. <laughs> so <laughs> I was designing the story and then asking my mother to fill in with the words of what was happening. Um, so this has always been very natural for me. And on the other side, uh, also everything that was scientific was very, very natural for me, very easy to learn mathematics, physics, uh, um, biology, very complex uh, scientific things. And I've always been fascinated since childhood by, you know, complex things, cosmos, nature, and all of this. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I started uh, um, handling this uh, um, double inspiration, the possibility of, uh, you know, drawing, designing, and uh, inventing stories and things. Uh, on one side, and the other side is analytical, mathematical uh, nature. And, um, uh, uh, you know, when I was at primary school, I mean, everyone, every mate was asking me to design things, and I was really getting out. I, I just met someone 40 years later that still was reminding my drawings and, and, and designs when I was a kid. So <laughs> apparently I impressed them. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, you know, um, I, uh, I, I, I had a, a scientific college. So somewhere I, I, I pushed farther my, my interest for science. And then I, I started to, to, to study uh, architecture with the industrial design specialization at the time at the Turin Polytechnico, Polytechnic school um, and, and design at the time was one of the specialization of uh, architecture um, it was an incredibly creative place uh, the the faculty was in a guarino guarini castle uh, in uh, in uh, in, a, in a beautiful park next to the po river we were you know learning architecture into an old uh, incredible castle and it was very Active, very active, a lot of exchanges, very international. Um, so this, uh, you know, allowed me to to push even further um, my knowledge of, uh, uh, you know, everything linked to design and industrial design and, and construction of things and and, 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 and and approaches and structure and so on. Um, and then when I when I finished, I finished it. Um, I, I started working and uh, I really felt that uh, um, I was missing the, the business side of things and uh, that, uh, you know, I, I, I fell in love with, uh, with business company branding and I felt I was, uh, I was really, you know, uh, missing a part of that knowledge. So I decided while I was starting to work uh, to um, have a second, uh, um, a second round of of a study, and I had uh, a business school. Mm -hmm. Sorry, no worries. Um, and um, which was a business school uh, for three years. So I I had my uh, you know master in business administration. And so already from the beginning, you know, from the from my studies, I had this kind of double hat 
industri industrial design on one side and business uh, on the other. And um, in this, uh, you know, um, natural capacity to handle very creative things and to imagine things in 3D and to imagine, uh, you know, situation, volume, stories, uh, products, uh, and on the other side to you know, analyze very deeply things and calculate and uh, uh, was, uh, was questioning uh, uh, me a little bit. I found the first uh, answer to this uh, internal questioning with my first big job that was in marketing. I, I joined Ferrero uh, in Turin, that was the headquarter, uh, you know, Nutella, Kinder, uh, uh, Ferrero, Rocher, and all this thing, uh, where uh, working in marketing, uh, it was a very, very um, incredible place. They were, I think, 20 years in advance to anyone else, both in terms of communication, of trade marketing, of promotions, incredibly creative uh, company. Uh, there, I, and I, I was able of, of uh, using these both uh, abilities, you know, because in marketing you handle all the advertising and uh, communication and creative side, yeah. packaging and, 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 and so on. And on the other side there, you were having the full responsibility of your brand. Uh, the brand, you were handling your brand as if it was your company. They were calling this product enterprise. And, uh, you know, you were auto-financing your business with the with your turnover. Uh, so it was like being an entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, in, uh, to me, it was very natural because I was able of, uh, you know, going into the finance side of things or going into the industrial part of it, you know, the recipe, the, 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 the organization of the production, the quality team and so on, and doing both um, very well. Uh, there I, I learned absolutely, for the first time, I must say, I get in contact with a very unique uh, uh, entrepreneur and vision of someone that was, uh, you know, striving with all his forces for the quality of the product, uh, for perfection, for really to please customer at the very end. And uh, um, to, to make you an example, they, they had created a, a panel of hundreds. For him, the freshness of his product was uh, paramount mm -hmm. because it's what gives you, you know, the the, the taste and, and the first impression when you, when you bite one of those snacks or chocolates or whatever. So... Um, Yet set up an incredible network of people that were, you know, visiting all the point of sale from the very simple to supermarkets and hypermarkets and checking, you know, the, the life cycle of the product and taking off the product even before the end of their life cycle to be always uh, at the best. And during summer, they were the only chocolate company that was uh, taking back all the chocolates at the beginning of summer and then stopping selling it during Summer, because with the heat, you have the butter that comes out uh, and you mm -hmm. know, your galactic experience you have is not perfect. And, uh, you know, they were selling Estate, which was a soft drink, uh, uh, um, cold tea. And then they were starting to push chocolate again in September, which was completely out of this world, you know. Hmm. Uh, and that was really a very, very interesting experience. Uh, I already uh, experienced, uh, uh, you know... Um, traveling and living in other countries with them because I started in Turin, but then I moved in 
the French affiliate that was in Normandy, in Mont Saint Aignan. Um, mm-hmm. and I learned a new language there, uh, you know, uh, get in contact with the French culture, uh, visit all France, uh, uh, for, for us people from Piedmont in Italy, France has, has always had a special role because, you know, it was the Savoy. So we were already, it's a culture that is already hybridated with the French one. And, you know, the French culture in Paris is always uh, dreamy for, for people coming there. And I had the opportunity to, to you know, meet people there. I still have a very dear friends there and, 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 and live there for uh, a number of years, uh, around five. Uh, then after that, I, I, I moved to a technology company, Thomson Multimedia, uh, uh, based in Paris. So I also moved from uh, Rouen in, in Normandy to, um, uh, to Paris. I must say that uh, in Normandy, I, paint, I painted a lot. I was painting a lot uh, in exterior. And uh, there are conditions of lights which are absolutely out of this world. Sunsets and sky that becomes like a huge fire and incredible, sharp, shiny lights. You perfectly understand why impressionists, the Impressionists were painting there. Uh, and I painted a lot during that, uh, during that period. Um, and then moved to Paris uh, uh, um, to, to, to work in industrial design and marketing for Thompson Multimedia, so consumer electronics, and in particular, television, home cinema. It was the big moment uh, of the home cinema with a gigantic screen and, you know, Dolby mm-hmm. around and all these uh, immersive experiences. And also on the other side, uh, the first LCD uh, plasma screens and the dematerialization of it, uh, all the Wi-Fi things and so on. And um, uh, I had the opportunity to work uh, uh, with the, the marketing team that was all done by incredibly talented people. Uh, and uh, uh, also, um, and I had the opportunity of uh, uh, working with the, uh, in, a, in a group of people that was uh, making the link between uh, research and development, so very, very early stages of, uh, of scientific and technical development uh, and the marketing teams to try to, you know, intercept uh, uh, innovation very up into the ladder and imagine in advance how we could have transformed into product to accelerate this process. So it was very, very creative. Uh, I was working around uh, uh, all Europe, and then we started working also in US. I spent a lot of time there, uh, getting to learn the, the, the American culture. Um, and, uh, and it was technology, you know. And one of the very interesting things we did at the time is that uh, uh, we uh, Thomson Multimedia made a, a joint venture with uh, Microsoft, and and we launched the first uh, interactive TV. So it was a, a normal TV set that was integrating uh, um, a Reuter to to go on the internet, you know. And uh, Philip Stark designed a crazy uh, wireless uh, uh, keyboard uh, with a little bit of futuristic shape, you know, and and. Through that, you were able of uh, 
of going on the internet on, on your TV and uh, to try to look information for, you know, a cinema nearby, a spectacle, uh, whatever you, you wanted to do. But it was Wh so... Which year was this? What year uh, was this? Very good uh, question. I think it was 2000, something like that. Uh, oh, it's a very 1999, early... 1999, 1998, 2000, mm. something like that. Very, very okay. early. Very too early, early yeah. By far too early. <laughs> uh, it was a, a crazy project because we... You know, we developed the product, we launched the product, we developed a crazy advertising campaign, uh, uh, but it was too early, by far too early. And, you know, the issue was that uh, uh, with your, with your uh, remote on your TV, you were pushing a button to change a channel and you had an immediate reaction. And there you were pressing a button to load something and it was taking like three minutes to load just one page. And it was yeah. absolutely unbearable you know you were having the same experience on your pc or your mac at the time but it was normal because you know any interaction with the web was slow like that but mm -hmm. on, on tv you were really you know used to have an immediate reaction to your remote so it was completely weird it didn't work at all but uh, it was uh, it was very interesting you know as a you know innovation management cycle and launch Yeah, it was a trailblazer kind of uh, exactly. innovation and, at the time. Exactly. And it was my first big uh, encounter with the world of technology, uh, which, uh, you know, somewhere uh, speaks to me very much today, again, uh, on HYT, where there is this uh, fantastic mix between, uh, you know, technological innovation and mechanical innovation. And, and the, 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 you know, the secret is a little bit fine in the, the perfect symbiotic way of integrating these two worlds. Yeah. So we know you, uh, you know, being at the helm of, of pretty prestigious watch brands, but now, um, albeit it's a super interesting journey that you've just explained so far, it, it absolutely does not stir me into the direction of watches, right? It's, it's, uh, it's something totally different. So how do you end up from from being at a, at a technological company and designing and working with TVs and marketing them to your first watch company? Yeah. Uh, so what happened after Thompson Multimedia is that uh, I, I came back to Italy uh, uh, and um, uh, it, was, uh, um, it was unfortunately just after 9-11 and, uh, you know, the economy got uh, severely hit And uh, um, I, I found a job in advertising, in the biggest advertising agency in Italy, uh, Armando Testa, where I was taking care of uh, cars for, for the Fiat Group. Um, and that was, uh, you know, again, technology and advertising in that case. Uh, um, and then after that, you know, uh, I really wanted to, to get into luxury, to... to Uh, and I always loved watches, and I had this uh, opportunity uh, of integrating the Richmond Group uh, and uh, Panerai. Yes. The Panerai brand. Uh, it was 2001, I think. And uh, uh, yeah, and I, I jumped uh, on board. It was an incredibly, I was uh, in Milan uh, uh, at the headquarters, the global headquarters. The brand was, uh, you know, booming, had been acquired by. The group a few years later in 97 and it was really uh, really really booming despite being a very uh, 
different crazy niche uh, toolish brand yes but uh, you know it was the first oversized watch and it really struck a huge uh, a huge success uh, getting very much into you know sport uh, guys footballers and sport mm-hmm. guys of any of any kind uh, being supported by Stallone yes in uh, in US and uh, yeah and that's how I I got into the world of watches I were very very uh, exciting days uh, uh, really the setup of the image of the brand it was uh, you know Japan was booming at the time it was what is China today and so yes. I had the opportunity to travel a lot uh, uh, to Japan uh, I absolutely love uh, uh, the, the culture from Japan uh, and uh, you know uh, I, I was born in 1970 so uh, we grew up with uh, a lot a lot a lot of uh, uh, manga culture coming from uh, from mm-hmm. Japan the robots uh, the Goldrake Mazinger you know Jig uh, and, and then hundreds and hundreds of uh, you know manga cartoons coming all over for almost uh, 10 to 15 years something like that um so when i visited japan it was really a revelation for me an epiphany you know despite mm-hmm. being a very different from anything else country and culture uh, to me it was so natural from the from the beginning you know probably because of this uh, exposure to uh, to the to the manga culture but also i i can't explain why but I felt home since the very first time I, I went there. I was not at all lost in translation, on the contrary. Uh, and uh, this was a very important experience in my life, uh, for sure, aesthetically. You know, uh, it's a crazy, um, unique, uh, clear, aesthetic world. Uh, uh, from design to packaging to food, I mean, an- anything yeah. is aesthetically absolutely at the top of what you could imagine. Um, I had the experience of a shodo lesson the first time, you know, Japanese calligraphy, the first time I went there, and it was yes. it was quite uh, something, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Sinchei, the, the professor of the school, uh, was astonished by how you know, well, I could uh, draft those lines. Okay, I painted a lot before, so for me, handling the stroke was, uh, you know, natural, but uh, nevertheless, it was quite surprising, you know. When I entered the school, he was looking at me saying, what the fuck, who is this tourist? But then he said, okay, let's take the money for the lesson. And when uh, at the end, he looked at what I did, it was like, uh, you can come in back to the school whenever you want. It has been a pleasure to be with you. I was like, wow, <laughs> walking one meter on top of the floor. And, uh, and this really, yeah, it was something that, uh, you know, uh, improved my aesthetic culture and capacity of evaluating and, uh, you know, sense of proportion and order and balance between empty and full spaces, all of this. So that was very important. And, and still, I love Japanese culture. Each time I can go there is uh, my passion for robots has never uh, went down, and for science fiction and for so uh, every time I go there I, I have my running 
Akihabara, it's called, and um, crazy place, and you find incredible collectible robots. Uh, there is a, a, a mall in uh, in um, Nakano, uh, um, uh, how is it called? Uh, Nakano Broadway is called, 20 minutes south of Tokyo, where they sell any kind of collectible robots, and you still find, uh, you know, collectible robots in boxes which are unopened since uh, 1970. You know, mm-hmm. never with the stickers, never taken off. So it's like archaeology, you know. Yeah. Um, crazy and, and I, I, I've purchased a number of them and I found that really fantastic you know this uh, respect for objects and, and you know preservation mm-hmm. of uh, original things is uh, is quite something but I mean it's that's uh, that's something that that the watch industry tries to do these days and i mean for a few good few years now right to to preserve obviously heritage but not only to do that but try to reinterpret heritage and and um for whatever reason reach back to the roots reach back to vintage design of the 40s 50s and obviously you have crazy experience with that and and the first one comes uh from from your second brand in 2007 you joined tudor as the global creative director and and i think but correct me if i'm wrong but the most uh important project or the the most important event that that connects your name to tudor is obviously uh the launch of a new model line which which is exactly kind of a reinterpretation of a vintage um model or or at least takes takes the dna the vintage dna to create something new which which n- now in 2022, many, many years later, stands completely alone and, you know, stands its own ground, but has DNA vintage uh, Tudor. Um, or the, or the, like yeah, exactly. Like as, yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. this, is a, this is a great, uh, I guess, pairing of your passion for Japan and, and, and the collectibles to, to how you arrive in your life in 2007. You want to maybe talk a bit about that uh, with Tudor Absolutely. and, and this yeah. project? That was a fantastic adventure. It will remain in my life, uh, uh, my professional life, and even in my life overall, a yeah? Sem- seminal experience. Uh, um, uh, joining Rolex uh, at the very, very beginning of the of the Tudor adventure, and uh, you know, with this uh, uh, will to relaunch the brand, and that's it. You know, with this uh, next to this. Uh, fantastic giant that is uh, Rolex, you know, expression of excellence at any level. So, um, yeah, it was it was a very, very interesting experience. Uh, first of all, to, you know, create the condition, just create the condition to be able of, uh, you know, building up something next to this fantastic, uh, you know, cathedral <laughs> that, is, mm-hmm. that is Rolex. Uh, uh, it was not uh, not uh, not an easy one, you know. Without, you know, doing something different, without being perceived as challenging, the golden rule uh, played so well on the other side, and uh, you know, cr- creating the premises to you know, for the organization to accept something different, and then finding the peculiar way of expressing the brand, and and yeah, and this uh, this long and and rich. Uh, a process uh, brought to the idea of uh, looking back in the past of the brand and finding there something that was, uh, you know, different enough from Rolex to, you know, 
to draw a very interesting path of uh, of this brand and uh, you know the vision of Wilsdorf from the very beginning and uh, you know somewhere linking back to you know where Wilsdorf uh, Wilsdorf left it and and create something different and yeah in, in reality in doing that uh, you know we we designed we crafted the recipe for for vintage reinterpretation and what has become heritage now for for many years still still relevant and out there but we were really the very very early the, the very first one to do with the heritage chrono in 2010 which really made a huge hit at the at Basel world and put really all of a sudden Tudor again in the in the game generating a an incredible expectation from from all the you know watchmaking lovers uh, crowd to see what was coming after and then two years later we brought in the black bay and that was really a gigantic blast i mean it was a crazy crazy reaction you know when you magically touch something special and and uh, you know and everyone jumps in from huge collectors that can buy anything but want absolutely to have your your watch on the wrist immediately to you know anyone else so um it was it was really really a, an incredible experience and it's so nice to see so many years later as you say uh you know the brand uh, performing so well and uh, you know the identity crafted by this product which has become really the backbone of the brand becoming timeless really you know i think in 50 years still uh, the black bay will remain one of the iconical products of watchmaking and probably Absolutely. you know the the bearing this uh, particular era of, of watchmaking with the vintage coming back very strongly you know yeah and, and i just realized that it's the 2022 is the 10th anniversary of the line so it, uh, tudor should celebrate the 10 year of, of black bay this year it's, i have to say this is um you know obviously i work with a lot of people who know watches and like watches and, and buy and collect watches and i think the one of the most common model a brand and model that i see is the black bay whether that's the the 58 the 58 blue which is obviously a, i know it's a later model but or whether just the black bay that the original one still with the eta movement which slowly becomes something of a of a collector's item now since the, the in-house movement was introduced um i've seen it um, on many many wrists around me so really congratulations to to that project because it's really as you said it's the backbone or or one of the backbones of of the company for sure um so you spend eight years right with tudor and then you guys roll out these amazing pieces But then in 2015, you change teams again, as they say in sports, and go to another brand, which is, again, a, a completely new adventure, I would think, for not only for you, but also for the brand, and that's Montblanc. And then you become the managing director of uh, Montblanc Watches, which is obviously Montblanc is known not only for watches, or probably at the time mostly, and maybe even today, mostly not for watches, but but uh, luxury uh, leather goods and and uh, riding instruments. Um, yet you 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 take the take the steering wheel and uh, and join Montblanc. So how how did that project come about? And and um, what do you remember from those years? 
Yes, it was a it was a very nice experience. Uh, started with uh, Jerome Lambert, that was my direct boss. Uh, incredible, incredibly talented, talented and energetic uh, person. And uh, yeah, the, the the idea was uh, you know taking the Sleeping Beauty of Minerva and uh, integrating it in a unique way with Mont Blanc to nurture uh, the high end expression of Mont Blanc watchmaking and to bring legitimacy to the brand that as you as you said is is uh, most known for for writing instruments and um, yeah and also you know ex- extending the 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 the, the offer of uh, of the brand that was mainly classical at the time to bringing also a sporty one and uh, which made a lot of sense to me uh, being the brand name of a mountain and being the mountain linked to outdoor. And uh, at the time, we were still in the big moment of, uh, you know, uh, outdoor coming back, outdoor adventures uh, and so reconnection with nature and so on. So, yeah, the, uh, I had a lot of fun uh, with the team, uh, with a very talented team. Uh, you know, we put together a crazy uh, end watches in all the line uh, with the... Uh, Minerva handmade the Chrono Pusher that brought in a lot of uh, you know big customers and big collectors also and somewhere brought the brand on the radar in the watchmaking brother um, you know redesigned the brand to have a very strong watchmaking grammar uh, and and launched the 1858 product line really dedicated to the mountain to outdoor and so on, uh, and the geosphere in particular, which uh, I believe has become the, the new icon of Mont Blanc as of today, uh, with this unique complication and this vintage design. And uh, yeah, it was it was a very, very rich and, uh, you know, um, fun ride. And, and uh, we, we had a lot of enthusiasm from, from customer, from collector and from the market. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, uh, Minerva is is a wonderful vintage brand, and someone like me who's into vintage watches and vintage chronographs, obviously, it's it's a level of of the Excelsior Parks and Angelusas and the the Valjus and and those movements, but not only the movements, but the watches themselves. So, it was definitely a a, a clever move, and the timepieces were were wonderful. But so that project or that uh, part of your life was uh, also came to an end. And um, there is something new on the horizon. But before we talk about that, because you kind of, you kind of uh, uh, mentioned it in the beginning of of the interview, but before we talk about this, um, one thing or what aspects or a few aspects that, that interest me or people realize when they see you or meet you is obviously one, as you mentioned, somebody coming from, from um, the, the, birthplace of fiat is obviously the passion for cars that you have mm-hmm. um and that's also if if uh, anyone visits your your instagram davide cerato um is it's well documented uh, a bunch of cars mostly vintage cars mm, so why don't you talk about that and then after that i'll 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 bring up the other one which is very obvious again on your on your instagram and i'm I think you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna come to, but let's let's chat a bit about cars because you, as I said on on your Instagram, but also I um, from from other discussions and interviews, it's pretty obvious that well, like 
most men, I guess, and most Italian men coming from Torino, you love cars um, and you have very specific taste in cars. Um, talk us a bit about that and, and you know, maybe how that, that connects to your other hobby, which yeah. you can reveal if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, as you said, you know, uh, uh, as any other young boy and kid, uh, you know, I spend my afternoon playing with matchboxes and small cars and models and da da da. Uh, and the cars have always been, you know, exciting me. Um, as I told you, I visited my first motor show when I was three years old on my father's shoulder and I never stopped. And I still remember many huge uh, presentations of Ferraris and Lamborghinis and crazy cars. Um, I, I studied industrial design, and which... Uh, you know, uh, is also very much linked to it. Uh, I always loved uh, um, this fantastic match between the chassis, the external design of the car, and the, the engine, the performance, uh, um, the noise, uh, uh, and how these uh, your two dimensions really integrate into each other and create something that is uh, out of this world, that is so sexy and so exciting and can you can have uh, a lot of fun with uh, mm -hmm. it makes people dream so much you know with this kind of giving a guy the superpower of uh, you know hyper speed and and the possibility to move from one place to the other and, and the noise and the you know um and um, um yeah i always love that uh, uh, i love Yeah, I, I love uh, car design uh, uh, a lot and, and, and you know, cars. Uh, it's true that uh, I like very much vintage cars, but I love, I love as well, uh, you know, super modern supercars, sports cars, you know, Ferraris first being Italian, uh, followed by Lamborghini. And, uh, you know, following a lot also, uh, you know, small independence in in cars that rebuild or redo uh, special cars like the Lancia Delta Integrale or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the, the Stratos, the Lancia mm -hmm. Stratos. Or, and I found all of this absolutely fantastic, you know. And, uh, and when I was launching vintage in watches and doing vintage reinterpretation and some were really, you know, the experience was so strong because uh, it was also developing a very unique method, methodology to, you know, to, to do this in a proper way. This mm -hmm. was happening also in car, you know, uh, every big car brand was relaunching model from the past, was creating heritage department, was, uh, you know, finding in the archive the original drawings and rebuilding Uh, like, uh, you know, the F-type in ultralight, in aluminum, in five pieces, da, da, da. So all this world of, uh, you know, I'm really a developer, a builder at heart. I love creating, shaping, crafting, designing, developing things, imagining them and then seeing them in the real world and the rest of people and seeing, you know, sparkling eyes and emotion and smiles and uh, and uh, yeah you you have this that is very 
close to to the car world too. So I think that's why and that's why also I love so much watches because it's the same. You have this uh, you know beautiful balance to find between the habillage and the and the movement and the, you know function and shape and uh, uh, you know the 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 best uh, the design tells the story of the engine the strongest uh, the watch is so mm-hmm. and when it comes to design and you obviously we we talked a lot about design watch design and and industrial design and car design but then there's also for a gentleman that comes from north italy and you you spent some time in milano obviously there's fashion design and and uh men's fashion and uh, again if somebody if somebody sees you or sees your instagram and knows you then obviously they see that you are um always impeccably dressed um always or most of the time in a bow tie um and this is um this is another great passion of yours and and um i love the especially love the the shots and i think i've seen maybe a video of you driving a a vintage car with the with the matching outfit and and the the vintage goggles and the and the leather gloves so that's clearly another um hobby or passion of yours absolutely absolutely uh yes and it's uh Yeah, is is part of your aesthetical appreciation and your style, you know, and your way of expressing beauty, and and is uh, you know is your way of life and you know crafting, shaping beauty, uh, uh, putting around you beautiful objects or you know beautiful clothes, uh, is part of this uh, you know hedonistic and and you know aesthetic. Uh, a journey that you do and for sure you know um, being uh, grown up in in Italy it's very powerful because uh, first you are circled by you know encircled by beauty everywhere architecture is incredible uh, um, you know design is incredible cars uh, so this you know can can uh, slide uh, under your skin if you have already a connection with it and that was the case for myself and also there are a lot of aesthetical rules for example in dressing up that are you absorb uh, really naturally growing up uh, you know matching the right colors uh, uh, good proportions and that that is really some and then Once you get into the game, you start to play your own game, you know, and then it becomes even more interesting. And this, uh, you you know, uh, knowledge journey and and knowledge crafting and then knowledge sharing and this pleasure journey that is for yourself, but also that can be shared with the other, is something that for sure then I, uh, you know, um, transmit or restitute. In my work every day. And speaking of transmitting and speaking of supercars, we arrive to your latest endeavors, and that's uh that's a very interesting one, right? Because this brand, which as I said before, you've you've mentioned the beginning, HYT, this was an an indie, an auto luxury indie brand. Um but one of the um one of the more interesting ones in terms of the technology that they built in their watches, even the looks, but that's obviously a subjective thing. Um, so it was very sad when we saw HYT exiting the the market and the industry. 
um, about a year or so ago. And then there was this huge news and this huge boom that the, the company is coming back. And not only that, but with you as being the CEO of, and creative director uh, of HYT. Um, and if we if we look back to Panerai and Tudor and Montblanc, there's some kind of a, uh, a, I should say, maybe a unified look in all those watches and all those brands, uh, although they're quite the same. But still, when it comes to HYT, it's a completely new uh, playing field for you, if, I, I would think, right? But then we met um, last year during Dubai Watch Week, and you guys introduced me some of the, the watches and, and the inspiration. And now, obviously, talking to you and talking about your passion for cars and and design and and fashion and all those little details make sense and they the picture you know all those little puzzles are in the right places now this picture is is visible and then this picture is now a new watch for HYT the the Hastroid but I don't want to jump into the watch so um we we finished off with Montblanc and obviously you had a great run there um how do you end up at HYT Yes, I met with them uh, um, uh, in spring of, uh, of uh, last year, and uh, um, it was a very natural fit. Uh, on one side, for me, uh, you know, playing with the fluid or a liquid in the watch was something very natural. At a certain moment of my path, I was, uh, you know, working on the side on a on a project to have a wash with the luminescent fluid inside. I must say at the time, it was the idea was more to preserve uh, original old part inside the watch with this idea of, uh, you know, linked to vintage. But it was already going in that direction. And when I, 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 I saw in 2012 uh, HYT coming, I said, wow, they did it, you know, <laughs> they did it. So I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, f- finding that uh, very interesting, uh, innovative direction. They did it in a completely different way and in a very technical way and, uh, you know, pushing really the boundaries uh, far, far away. We'll speak about it. But there was already this first fit. And uh, uh, I always, uh, you know, which always gave me from the very beginning the sense that uh, there was a huge opportunity, uh, you know, integrating that story with the, uh, uh, you know, uh, as powerful mechanical expression and, you know, as creative mechanical expression as it was using fluids to indicate time uh, and with a good design. So uh, I immediately, you know, felt that there was a huge opportunity and that, that was in completely in my courts to, you know, to find this uh, uh, we spoke of different elements uh, of my personal story and path, you know. Uh, for me, you know, uh, bridging technology and high technology with design and with the, uh, you know, uh, um, the mechanical world uh, is something that is comes natural because I already saw it uh, in the past launching very, you know, innovative breakthrough uh, 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 product. Uh, um, and and uh, and you know um, I, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm specializing somewhere in, in my professional path into relaunching, restarting, reboosting companies, which is uh, 
a very special uh, you know process and activity and take and sensitivity that you need to to have uh, and you know demands a lot of uh, of of strength and conviction and drive and vision and energies to to bring it to life and this was a uh, you know a restart which uh, you know sounds like a a real start uh, the dimension of a uh, an independent company, a, a startup, a small company appeals very much to me and, uh, you know, the creative freedom that you can have and the human dimension that you have in, in this kind of story. Uh, so, yeah, this really spoke to me. There was a fantastic fit uh, and common feeling with all the people that I met. And very quickly, we, you know, we, we signed, we agreed. Uh, as you said, the previous company, HYTSA, went bankrupt and stopped his activity in March of 21. Then a new company, KTS, Kairos Technology Switzerland, was created in June, a Swiss company, SA, based in Neuchâtel, with new investors. And I, will, I, I came on board the 1st of July. So uh, really in the, in the process. Fast. And then in this six uh, hectic and very exciting and funny uh, a month, so we we put together a team of 10 uh, with a very interesting balance of uh, young, talented kids on the block and of experienced uh, veterans of the industry, and it works very well. Uh, we put together a fantastic team of suppliers, uh, bringing in some, uh, some new suppliers, uh, new for the brand but uh, that I worked with in the past to... to you know, guarantee us and to allow us uh, now five months later to come to present our first product, the Asteroid, which was really, really an achievement, especially in this moment where the business is picking up again and all the, you know, suppliers are under pressure. And I must really thank all these teams uh, for the incredible effort and, you know, passion and support that they put, allowing us to, to present our first watch now. Um, uh, we reset completely the, the commercial structure, uh, reducing the number of point of sale and, and focusing on few very solid partners to build up the brand uh, on the long term. Uh, I, I, we, I know very well, we knew that uh, you know, the previous company has experienced uh, uh, quality issues and technical issues along the, the way. Uh, and uh, we spent a lot of time to, uh, and we invested a lot of time to uh, set up everything in such a way that we can be really proud now of the level of quality that we are delivering. Um, so in terms of fluidic module, we, you know, we picked up the very last fluidic module that was already developed between the stop but never commercialized, but that... Uh, bears and, and uh, you know includes all the improvement and learning and and amelioration that uh, that were done during 10 years so with a very high level of uh, of um, uh, of quality and reliability and a little bit smaller uh, so allowing us to boost the 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 the, the, the to, to reduce the size of the watch and to get something really uh, wearable and, and comfortable to wear, lighter and slimmer, uh, uh, which was very important. 
um, uh, in terms of uh, mechanical movement, uh, we picked up the very last movement that was developed with the, the tech group uh, Arnaud Fevre and uh, with uh, Eric Coudre, uh, with this very nice uh, technical solution of a big cam on the back that allows the perfect synchronization between fluidic and mechanical time. And on that base of a very reliable and precise uh, movement, we work to develop different uh, complications and to create a, a true segmentation uh, of the offer. Asteroid is the first one with this big uh, minute 10 in the middle, and two more will be presented in two months uh, during Watches and Wonders. Um, and in terms of habillage, um, we started, uh, we restarted completely with a new supplier, very mm-hmm. strong one FTR that, uh, you know, with a complex case, more than 50 uh, components, uh, um, the movement sealed into a, a titanium container and then with the, with glasses, with joints uh, that are chassis, so perfectly waterproof to 50 meters and with, uh, you know, a very nice uh, multi-layer structure that will uh, has been built with modularity in mind since the very beginning to allow personalization and customization. So the asteroid, the first execution is with two cap of a titanium DLC coated and carbon fiber in the middle. Uh, but we completely reward the ABH to have something very uh, robust, uh, light, uh, reliable, yeah. uh, and to bring a completely, we, we completely redesigned uh, the identity of the brand uh, um, with uh, something that is uh, inspired this time by, you know, spacecraft and spaceships and uh, space suits and, uh, you know, space exploration and, and all this fantastic world that is coming back so strongly with this dream of, uh, of going back to space, to Mars, to the moon and visiting the cosmos that is becoming very, very present and very strong again. Uh, uh, as we said, eh, uh, my generation grew up with this dream when we were kids with all the robots and science fiction and so on. And now we see this happening with X-Space, with Elon Musk, with all these incredible things yeah. happening. Uh, and the new generation is completely into that because now they dream about, you know, leaving our planet and, and going to live to Mars in a, something that we could have not imagined. So you know, very powerful uh, uh, communication territory and environment. And yeah, we, we redesigned the watch to be very, uh, you know, wearable, slimmer. The case is just 13 millimeter yep. three very light, just 80 grams, uh, integrated uh, bracelet design with a rubber and alcantara strap um, and very unique, really trying to to find the perfect balance to integrate this fluidic uh, technology and uh, the fluid uh, in the microcapillary to to show up uh, ours and, uh, you know, having a perfect... Uh, uh, you know, mechanical partner or, you know, uh, and bringing some virtuosity there too. Uh, uh, we have really improved the level of finishing of the movement uh, um, and, uh, you know, playing on this uh, transparency and on these multiple layers of complexity that you can, you can see through the sapphire crystal, working on readability, you know, putting indexes next to the capillary so that you can even have a direct, very easy, immediate reading of the time, as much as uh, putting a flange inside with a 
minute hand where again you can very easily and directly read the, the minutes so our minutes um perfect readability in the dark with the everything that is luminescent so a very yeah very powerful design with a new shape uh, and uh, yeah a futuristic watch you know a brand that is uh, boldly looking forward into the future and that is uh, you know our legacy we are writing it day by day so and as you said that eh, for me is very interesting because uh, you know from the <laughs> The, the Jedi of the of the vintage and of the heritage. Now I can work on the future and futuristic thing, which is uh, so exciting. So so here comes the question: you, Are you going to change your your style? You know, double-breasted suits don't go well with uh, <laughs> with HYT watches. You need to be more. Uh... I am, I am, and if you <laughs> if you have seen the last videos that we are posting, yes. I'm more with the turtle neck, Steve Jobs style. So, <laughs> uh, but still, you can have a double breasted on top of that. <laughs> Elegance Absolutely. still remains, but, uh, <laughs> no, but it's a it's a fantastic project. Is uh, you know a lot of uh, is fresh new. Uh, mm. The role of independence is really bringing creativity mm. and pushing the boundaries, and that's exactly what we are doing playing with colors, uh, yeah. you know, playing with materials, technological materials, mm. bringing innovation there too. Uh, and uh, yeah, and a fantastic human experience uh, with mm. the team, with the supplier, where you have direct human, very emotional exchanges. And 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 uh, I, I really want to set up something to show all these people in the atelier of our suppliers and everywhere that have been putting so much energy because they fall in love with the project and, help us so much and you know um it's a, it's a also a fantastic human adventure and team adventure no it's, it's awesome the, the watch is is beautiful and um if you look at the hyt website you see all the older models and and this is just just stands out how different it is but it has all the the, the hyt dna all those little obviously the well the, the 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 movement has to be the same as you said or it's the latest um in line so it's it's very hyt but it's also very different from that and um well there's not much to say about the watch i mean you you said pretty much everything it's a 48 millimeter case which seems to be a big case but if you if you know hyt watches from the past those were at least 48 if not bigger and they were much thicker as you said and this is only 13 point something three millimeters thick so it's a it's a relatively a quote unquote small watch compared to the to previous HYTs, and um, as I said, you you were gracious enough to show me your your ideas and designs of what's uh, what's yet to come, and and all I can say is that they're they're super exciting projects, and um, I hope that that uh, you'll be able to you know go in your pace and and realize all those projects one by one. So here's the question: What's the plan for HYT for 2022? You mentioned watches and wonders. Yeah. Um, but if you, yeah, if you want to give me some milestones of the year, what, what, what are you guys planning? But it will be uh, uh, basically three big moments in the year. The first one, we just started, uh, you know, yesterday launching the, the first watch, the Asteroid. So the, also the first face, the new face of the brand. Uh, uh, and I must say, design-wise, I'm very pleased because... Uh, Despite being a 48, which uh, which is a big size, uh, you know the design of the watch is done in such a way that uh, you know the part that is 
under the glass is quite big. And finally, what remains outside with this very unique shape of the case with openings is very light. There is a lot of transparency. So even if it's a big, big size, I have a, a, a standard wrist and it wears incredibly well. It, Frankly speaking, it doesn't, it doesn't look that big. It, it, it wears like a 40, 44 millimeter, something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely wearable. Um, uh, at, at the fair, we will not be inside Watches and Wonders, uh, unfortunately, uh, but uh, we will be downtown just next to the hotel. We will reveal the second big uh, novelties of the year, which is a really, really, really unique, different, uh, powerful second execution uh, and then a little bit later on in the year um, uh, between August and September there will be the third big model which will be the third complication that you are bringing and that is really out of this world for having mm. shown this to you to your colleagues uh, a little bit around the world and in Dubai uh, yeah. um, at Dubai Watch Week everyone you know has a very very big smile at the end of the presentation on his face. So very promising year. I hope that, uh, you know, everything will go as uh, as foreseen and, you know, we will get out a little bit of this difficult situation and be able of, uh, you know, traveling again a little bit and, yeah. and uh, share these beautiful things that we are preparing. For sure, for sure. I mean, as for me, I hope that I'll be in Geneva and I'll be able to to visit you guys if I'm in town for Watches and Wonders. I'll definitely uh, come. I'll, I'll let you know and I'll come and and say hi and and uh, have a look at the watch because, as I've said, I've You're only welcome. seen the designs. Exactly. Um, you so see thanks the metal a lot. Is <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Exactly. Seeing in the metal. It, I mean, the pictures are just amazing. As I said, I'm, I was a huge fan of HYT before, and and I loved how. Um, what they did was always a bit different, not only for watches, but if I can talk a bit about press, you know, when you get press releases and press kits, HYT always provided or gave something something different. Whether the location, what was Basel World, the location was a bit different. Whether the press kit was something else, it was always a bit, a tiny bit different than 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 everybody else. Even in the even in the the indie, the auto luxury world, which is which is. You know, it's a big thing to say because everybody in in auto luxury and remember Baselwood back in the day with the with the palace where it had all the, the indie brands. It was just a crazy flow of creative energy in this whole tent. Um, but even in that, HYT was always kind of standing out, at least for me. So um, with with that, really, I, I wish you guys good luck. And I've I've met some of your team, and they were super nice and, and lovely people. So I, I hope that, and I'm sure that this is uh this is going to be a fun project for all of you, um, David. I think it's uh, it's time to to wrap this interview up. But before we go, um, I have to ask you one last question. Yes. What is your favorite Hungarian dish? Ooh, paprika shirka. Hundred percent, hundred percent. My wife is Hungarian, and she right. really pleased me with the. Crazy good food like uh, Michelin star food, and yes, paprika shirka is well, that, really, really my my preferred well, dish. You know, that's coming from an Italian, which is obviously from a country that's known for its cuisine. It's uh, it's quite a compliment because paprika shirka is really not the the most complex food, but it's a very nice one indeed. Um, 
Again, ah, you, you know, Italian food uh, is known to be not to go for complexity, but simplicity. But uh, simplicity, as much as design, is the most difficult things to achieve. So, true, true, <laughs> true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, again, thanks a lot for taking the time, and thanks a lot for being my my first guest in in this podcast series. Um, I wish you all the best and good luck with the project and with the brand. And um, again, I hope to see you guys soon in a few months. And um, we're really looking forward to seeing your new projects coming up in the next few months. Thank you, Balaj. I hope the same and looking forward to, to meet physically again and being able of sharing all these beautiful objects and put the watches on the wrist and feel, touch them, hear the noise of the movement. Uh, it's fundamental. Thank Absolutely. you very much, all guys. Thank you. Bye. Ciao.